Welcome to the Gift of Love broadcast, where love is your greatest gift. Our mission is to teach the world the power of loving God and loving others. The greatest gift for you and me, the greatest gift for humanity, the greatest gift for all to see. Hello everyone and welcome to the Gift of Love broadcast where love is your greatest gift. I'm your host, Lyndon Batiste, and I thank you for joining me in another opportunity for all of us to grow, to be inspired, to be encouraged, and to evolve into the love beings that we are. Yes, this is what love is all about. I believe that we are put here on this earth to evolve and grow into fully mature love beings, individuals who understand empathy and sympathy, individuals who understand that they are a part of the greater whole and who want to see peace, who want to see justice, who want to see hope, who wants to see other people reach their full potential. This is what love is all about. Becoming gods here on this earth becoming gods it's not really a radical idea um but nevertheless that is what the gift of love broadcast is all about i want to continue on the subject from the series lessons from my father lessons from my father and today we will talk about the fifth principle uh from this series but first i'm going to do a quick recap just to bring everyone up to speed in case you missed some of the episodes uh, the previous episodes or you haven't had a chance to go back and listen so the first principle was compassion the compassion principle and what this was about uh, was when I believed this idea of compassion empathy and sympathy was really emphasized in my life and I was able to see how powerful it really is this doesn't mean that I had never heard of compassion before or that I had not experienced it or been compassionate, but it was a point of emphasis. All of these are points of emphasis. And that's what this one was, compassion principle. And I shared the story of how I was in the airport. And this was when my father, after my father had passed away and we were in the airport and my father's remains were literally being transported onto the plane that we, that my mother and I were, were getting on. And, um, as I'm watching them load my father onto the plane, I'm crying, boohooing in the window, watching it. And then this gentleman comes behind me and he puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, it's going to be OK. I, I've seen this happen uh, many times. That's the kind that's all that I really remember him saying. But I, I what I recall is that in that moment, my grief ceased. It was um, it was immediate. It was almost magical, if you will. And it was there that I began to realize what compassion looks like. It's when you step out of your own experience, when you step out of your own reality and enter into someone else's to feel their pain or to at least uh, try to connect with their pain. And you're concerned to the degree that you are moved to act 
and do something. This gentleman who did not know me, and I shared in the previous episode, this was an, an older white gentleman. Here I am, a younger African-American male. You, you might think that there's very little in common with us, but there was this very human moment that occurred. He came to me, put his hand on my shoulder, a stranger in the airport, and for that quick moment caused my, my grief to cease. And that's when I began to understand what compassion really is. And I try to live that daily. Number two, the courage principle. What is courage really about? And I shared the story how, uh, again, dealing with my father, all of these events are around this uh, time of, of my father's transition and when my father uh, uh, was in the, at the funeral home, this is a, at the funeral home. And I remember we went to the funeral home and the funeral director asked us if we wanted to see my father, who, of course, had transitioned by this point. And it was one of those moments in my life that I'll never forget the fear and and the concern and the just the unknown of of that, um, how that paralyzed me in that moment. Either way, we decided to do it, and every step felt like digging out of you know six inches of quicksand because it was it was it was again just it was I was fearful of and it did not and I did not know what to expect. However, after having made that journey um, to seeing my father in that moment, I understood what courage was all about, and that was about fighting through your fears. Not having fear. Having fear is normal. It's human. We're going to have fear. We're going to have concern. We're, we are going to have anxiety. But it's being able to push through that in order to gain the experience of overcoming and what's on the other side of that. I believe that for many of us, our, if you want to call it blessing, if you want to call it breakthrough, I don't like using a lot of those religious cliches. I really hate them. They're, they're usually used to manipulate people. But um, let's just say your potential will do that. Your potential um, is on the other side of courage, of you stepping through and doing something that you've been fearful of, um, that you were more concerned about the unknown failure than you were concerned about the unknown uh, success. Being able to walk through that. So that was the courage principle, the context principle. I shared the story of coming back from out of town and uh, from where my father was and coming to my parents' home and seeing my dad's car and all of his things. And it was there that this scripture, uh, this, this religious passage came to mind talking about where Jesus says, lay not up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves break in and steal. And in that moment, it was so real to me that we are not our things. We are not our possessions. Again, that might sound elementary, like, duh, of course, we all know that. Yet, for so many of us, we live our lives as if that is who we are, right? Like, we, we, we base our, our worth, we base the value of others on what they have um, in their bank account or what kind of car, what kind of home, all of these things physical things and then I realized in that moment that none of that mattered that if and and the story is going to end the same for all of us not to be uh really uh, sort of negative here but it's the truth that 
Um, we are more than the things that we have and we should spend our lives investing in those things that are eternal. I think those things that are eternal are um, our relationships with people, our gifts and talents that can outlive us, um, our worship and devotion to God. You know, I believe those are the types of things that are eternal and should uh, receive the bulk of our time not to say that our uh, that that our homes and our cars and our money that that's not important but without the context of those things understanding their purpose then we can literally walk through life missing the whole point right so that's what that was uh, was about was about so I encourage you to go back and view uh, listen to the context principle. And the next one was the cure principle, the cure principle. And I shared the story how one Sunday morning I was on my way to church and um, I am. It, this is right after my father passed away and I'm literally crying. I can barely see the road. I'm just having a grief, a moment of grief. And I remember as I, as I was at this red light, I felt the spirit tell me um, to go another route where I ended up next to this gentleman who was on, who was at the corner. He had a sign and he was asking for money. Um, and in that moment, I felt the spirit also tell me to give this gentleman some money. So I reached down in my pocket and I handed him some money. And I remember him being grateful and thankful. And also at that moment, my grief was suspended. It, it ceased because, and actually I was happy the rest of the day. And it was because I was a cure for someone else. I helped someone else during my grief. And I used that story as encouragement for many of us who might be going through hurt, pain, who might be depressed, dealing with anxiety, whatever the case might be, that one of the remedies, one of the remedies and or one of the, the, the cure, rather the cure in many cases can be stepping out of our own experience and aiding someone else, being their cure, being how meet, meeting their need. What does that look like for you? It might mean volunteering within an organization and that deals with an issue close to you. It might mean giving, uh, donating money or something like that. It, it might mean mentoring someone else, but being the cure for someone else. And I asked the question, what has God asked you to be the cure of? What, what is because I think we're all here to cure something. Um, and when I say cure, I'm not talking about finding a cure for a, a, a debilitating disease, but simply uh, living a life that 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 brings healing, that brings comfort, that uh, re- repairs the breach for someone else um, and reflecting on what that is. Um, and really in the midst of whatever you might be going through. Identifying what it is you might be the cure for or who you might be the cure for. And that will help you to overcome your own grief because you help someone else overcome theirs. Given it shall be given unto you, right? Alrighty. So today I want to talk about the community principle. The community principle. And I want to share a quick story. Um, of how this was emphasized in my life And um, I remember uh, being at my parents' home And again, this is weeks leading up to my father's graduation And uh, up until this point, it had just been family members pretty much And then on this one evening, my mother's job All of her 
co-workers came to the house and it was like 10 or 15 people came in and they brought gifts and they sat there um, and spoke to us and they just wanted to see how we were doing. And I remember in that moment, not only was my grief suspended, I was so thankful to see that other people cared to see this community come together around us in our moment. And then I realized it was there that I realized what community is all about and how essential it is to our lives. You know, I remember um, not that it's um, not that it's necessarily the case, but I think that we're all to some degree sort of taught that um, it, that we're islands unto ourselves, that we don't need anybody else. I even hear this in religious language. I don't need nobody else but Jesus. I don't need nobody else but Jesus. And I get sort of, I understand what that means. Um, I mean, what they're really saying is Jesus is the only person that I, that I really need, that I really have to worry about um, their um, affirmation and their sort of approval, if you will. But I still think it, it can kind of send the wrong message because I believe that, uh, that God and Jesus and any other type of spiritual truth or center you want to point to, what we see is how important community is, right? Like when Jesus first started his ministry, what was the first thing he did? One of the first things that he does is that he creates community. Yes, he goes out and he puts together his team of disciples, the people who would surround him and be closest to him. That's the first thing he does. You all know the story. In one of the Gospels, when he goes and he sees Peter and he tells him and his brother to come and follow him and put down their, their work that they were doing and he would make them fishers of men. And then he goes on and you constantly see Jesus throughout the Gospels surrounded by people he's in communion with people and then every now and then which i believe well just it's this is how it's accounted for but i believe it it was more often than than it's probably stated but you know he does create time to where he's by himself and you see scriptures where jesus goes off and he prays he goes to the mountain to pray and he leaves the people but for the most part he's engaged in community and i believe that this is a point um, to be made about how it's important for us to be connected to other people, um, to be within a community of, of not necessarily even like-minded people, but just other people so that we are not by ourselves, so that we are not an island unto ourselves, because that truly is the lesser experience, if you will. Um, I think of Genesis where, where, where God is there with Adam and he says, it's not good for you to be alone. Well, I think that's relevant for us as well. That's true for us as well. It's not good for us to be alone. It also makes me think of um, this scripture in, um, and many of you might be familiar with this scripture in Hebrews chapter 10, um, verse, I believe, 25. And, and the scripture reads, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And that is out of the New Living Translation. You might know this scripture more famously as forsake ye not the uh, the brethren or the gathering of the brethren. Um, I, I sort of forget exactly how the King James puts it. Because most of us are more forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's what it says. And this is not a scripture 
about you know heaven or hell that you know i've heard people say you know this, the bible says forsake not yourself so you got to go to church otherwise you're going to go to hell you know i don't this isn't a, a scripture about heaven or hell this is a scripture about best practices this is wisdom this is a good idea that says look it's better for you it behooves you to not forsake the gathering of community to be around other people so you can be encouraged because we need to be encouraged when you're by yourself when you're alone you're stuck with your own ideas your own thoughts and those can be brutal right you just never like you and your mind alone that that can be a very dangerous place i know but being around other people being encouraged hearing the stories of others um seeing the smile and the laughter of other people hearing other world views all of that all of those things that come with community are healthy they're beneficial and i would say is vital to our growth our maturation and our evolution right so really quick why is community important just a few just a few ideas i want to throw out here why is community important number one new ideas it's important to be around other people because we get new ideas. Uh, that's why they have think tanks. That's why you have a lot of organizations where they come together and they just have discussions because you bounce ideas off of each other. Collaboration. You know, if you've ever worked in corporate America, one of the things that uh, your corporate, your your company or organization that they will emphasize more than likely is your ability to collaborate. Can you work with other people because they understand how important community is? connecting with each other and being able to uh, sort of coexist number two different perspectives you learn different perspectives you see different worldviews one of the things that i think is wrong with our country speaking about america and many countries and and just our world in general is that um there aren't enough uh, there, there aren't enough perspectives in our own ecosystems we generally surround ourselves with people who think like us who look like us who believe like us, who act like us. And then when we come across the other, the other in different contexts and spaces, we don't know how to interact with them. And we might have a negative connotation as to who they are. So I'm talking about, yes, from policing all the way down to education. You know, these things happen in education and in, and in every sector. And it's because we live in our bubbles. But community can break that. And not only just community, but diverse community. I'm a proponent of diversity because it enriches us. It behooves us to be inclusive because the richness of, 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 of diversity stands to benefit everyone. Uh, within that specific setting or context uh, lastly uh, or two more encouragement uh, when you're in community it's 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 you're able to encourage one another and you're able to to sort of be poured into by someone else and to pour into someone else this is one of the most powerful well this is one of the most powerful aspects of of even religious community in particular. I think religious community, you know, yes, there there's the theology behind it. And we come because we don't want to displease God and all of this stuff, uh, which is important not to belittle it. But community it creates community, you know, being able to go to church or go to synagogue or go to, to the mosque or whatever it might be. You're able to connect with other people and religion does a great job of creating community 
and bringing people together around a an idea a set idea right um however um the the popular phrase goes that sunday morning at high noon is the most segregated hour of the week so even when there's community i'm still sort of trying to massage a message in there that it's important to have uh, multiple uh, a multicultural experience a multi-ideological experience as well because just because you know you're of the same race or ethnicity doesn't mean you have the same opinion so it's important to be around people with different opinions as well and lastly validation you get validation from community and people affirm you they affirm your ideas or maybe they don't maybe they let you know it's a really bad idea all of this happens within community and community is so important to us evolving and becoming who we're meant to be i think about even in the marriage context it's one of the most powerful aspects of marriage is being with someone else who doesn't think just like you who probably is polar opposite of you why because then you can sharpen each other their strengths their strengths are your weaknesses and your strengths are their weaknesses put them put them together and you know what you get you get this concept that's in power rangers you get the megazord right you bring the blue ranger and the pink ranger and the and the white ranger and the green ranger and the yellow ranger and uh you know Separately, they always get defeated. Every Power Rangers episode, they get beat up by the monster. But then when they come together and form this Megazord, they win. That's what community is all about. When you come together, you win like a Power Rangers Megazord. All right, and on to our last point. Um, how to create community? What are some things that you can do to create community, especially during this time of quarantine and isolation for many of us? Um and, and many of us, many people are sort of not doing well within this time of quarantine and isolation. And a part of it is because the decreased connections to other people. And you don't realize how important those connections are when you go to work and you're able to see your coworkers, whether you like them or not. But you're at least able to see them. You're able to talk and have conversations, whether it's in the break room, even the little small talk. Um, again, they might not be your favorite person. But still, all of those connections uh, help us to stay healthy on so many levels, emotionally, psychologically. Um, um, and, and it has very real physical, a very real and physical impact on our lives. So what are some things you can do to create community? Number one, join something, anything. Join something. There are all types of groups um, and organizations out here, whether it's a religious organization, um, whether it's a some type of civic organization. Join something um, and be a part of some type of group. You can maybe even consider fostering your own group. You know, if you have a if you have a network or if you know people, form a group where people can come together and talk and just connect. We cannot minimize how important connecting to other people, how important that is to us. It may seem, again, elementary, but in that moment when I was hurting and in, and in pain and, and I, I was feeling isolated and alone, it was when it was community. Seeing other people just in my space, hearing them speak, seeing them care, um, that brought so much solace and so much hope to me. 
And I believe it'll do the same uh, for all of us. So join something. Find a way to join something. Look for something that interests you with the simple point of, I just want to connect with other people. Number two, ignite past relationships. What are some relationships that you've had that you've allowed to sort of go dormant um, and un, uh, unnourished? What, what are some relationships, maybe some old friends or um that 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 you haven't spoken to in years maybe it's a good idea to give them a call and reconnect just and being able and you know and this brings to mind i had a good friend from high school a couple of weeks ago facetimed me out of the blue and i looked at my phone and i'm thinking whoa this is weird i, I actually thought something was wrong because we hadn't spoken in so long and when i picked up the facetime uh call to see my friend's face from high school and then we had a quick moment where we talked about an event that happened when we were in college and it was hilarious. I laughed. It brought so much joy to connect with someone who I had these past experiences with. And these experiences are a part of my story. They're a part of our story. And for many of us, these people are still there. Reignite those connections with those relationships. And and I guarantee you, You'll be absolutely happy that you did so in many cases to to reestablish the love and the bond that you created with someone in the past that you may not have really considered to be a priority um, recently. And lastly, how to create community. Number three, nurture family, nurture family. We take our family for granted, right? It, it reminds me of this song that Stevie Wonder did back in the 80s uh, called These Three Words. When was the last time that you that you told or that you heard someone say or you told the person that you love that you told your mother, or your father, or your brother and your sister that I love you? You know, it's really easy to trivialize um, our connection with family and to assume that it's there, always there. But if, but family is important. Right. Um, if, if for, for many reasons, uh, in many cases, you know, if you're siblings and you grew up together, you have this shared experience um, that's that's important to reconnect with. But uh, their family, there's a shared history, there's a shared lineage, and that's important to connect with and to nourish. So nurture family, reach out to your family and, and call them more than than, you know, once every month, maybe call your, your sibling call a sibling a week or call a cousin or call a, an aunt and uncle and check up on them and as i'm saying this i'm thinking about this to myself actually it just it just a quick quick thought my grandfather called me this past week on friday because it was our 10 year 10 year anniversary for my wife and i but it was also my the 72nd anniversary for my grandparents um and i'm trying to think for my parents i think it might be their 75 I'm trying to do the math in my head. It would be, oh man, uh, 80, 90, 10, 20, like 40. Oh man, it's up there, I think. Okay, 40, 40 something. But either way, <laughs> my grandfather, who was like maybe 90 uh, uh, in his late 80s or early 90s, called me and just to say happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. And it gave me so much joy to hear his voice, but to make that connection with family. And again, we so often uh, fail in nourishing those relationships. 
And those are just three very quick ways I think that we can create community. Um, I'll throw in there maybe even social media. You know, that, that's the power of social media is that it creates connections for us. I understand that social media can be dangerous as well. Uh, you just have to be careful what you say while you're on there. But the basic function of it is that it creates community. It connects us to other people. I have high school alumni groups and I'm, I'm able to see how friends are doing that I, that I was in elementary school with. I'm able to see how they're doing. I'm able to see their kids and I'm like, oh my God, you look just like your kid or your kid looks just like you who I remember when we were all in first grade together, right? Like it's, I literally had the discussion with a friend on Facebook some, some a while ago. She had a picture of her daughter and she looks just like her mom who, who we were in kindergarten. We were both in kindergarten together. So you know all of those meaningful connections so the point being the larger point is this principle of community community is important do not undervalue it do not underestimate it create connections with other people as often as you can and i am even hoping that through this podcast connecting to the sound of my voice and us connecting and i can hear back from you we can create community as well but Find ways to create community. Find ways to connect with one another, with other people. Uh, shared experience or experiences totally different from your own so that you can learn and grow. Because remember, love is about, about evolving. Us becoming fully matured love beings. Empathy and sympathy stepping out of ourselves. And community is such a powerful principle in helping us to achieve that. So that is the end of the Gift of Love broadcast. I encourage you to share this with others. You can find us on Podbean. You can find us on iTunes. If you do a simple Google search of the Gift of Love Network, or you can type in Lyndon Batiste, L-Y-N-D-O-N, you will find us online. But share. Um, I would love to hear your comments on whether or not this podcast was was, uh, beneficial to you. And in the meantime, continue to grow in love. Remember that love is is your greatest gift and let's share love with someone else every day including ourselves